The next 22 minutes, I'd love to talk with you about the next I am statement that we're preaching on. Preaching through a series called Jesus Is. And it's really about Jesus' I am statements. Who's Jesus? Jesus is. What? what is, who's Jesus? Well, he said seven times in the book of John, he said, I am. I'm the bread of life. I am. And we've been preaching on some of those. Today we want to talk about I am the true vine. Jesus said, I am the true vine. And the text is from John 15. So if you have a Bible, I'd love for you to look at it with me. Um, it's always good for you to have your Bible open, your electronic or, your, or the Bible. There's some underneath the chairs in front of you. So that as we have points up on the screen, you're still able to kind of look back and see the scriptures, you know, that are in front of you. So if you're not in that habit, um, go, go for that. Try that. And I think it'll be uh, good for you. John 15, verse 1 and following. Jesus is speaking. I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener. Now, some of you are still turning there, and that was it. Like, that was it. Boom. Like, we're done. He just already said it. I'll read the rest of the passage, but look at it again. Verse 1. I'm the true vine, and my father is the gardener. It's Jesus speaking. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, or he trims clean, it might say in your version, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because, I have spoken, because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain, remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. That's the word of the Lord. I want to read you a, I want to read you a narrative, something that I read this week that I thought was cool. He smiled as he held some of the fruit in his grizzled hand, the large, deep, purple of the grapes stood out in sharp relief against his dark olive skin. They were just about ripe. He was certain that the juice that they'd produce would make the best wine in the kingdom. These plump, beautiful grapes didn't happen by accident. They were the result of years of careful attention by his hands. He was a master vine dresser. He had learned the craft from his father and had perfected it over the decades. Each vine in his vineyard had been carefully shaped day after day, year after year, to produce the abundant crop he was proudly inspecting. He thought about the early harvests from this wine. Although it had been good to see that vine starting to produce, he knew that with proper care, there were even better years ahead. While the early fruit was good, the fruit he now held in his hand was exceptional and abundant, at least four times what the vine used to produce in its early years. As he looked at the shape of the vine, he remembered each snip and cut he had made. If he hadn't pruned away all those extraneous shoots, this vine would be all leaves and no fruit. It would look good, but it would be worth nothing. All the extra branches and leaves would have diverted away the life-giving sap from the fruit, so if it had fruit at all, it would have been tiny and sour. But since he was a master vine dresser, he knew exactly where and exactly when to prune the branches so they would produce rows of rich, dark, juicy grapes. 
the vine dresser straightened up. As his eyes gazed over the vines, bursting with fruit, he let out a long breath of satisfaction. This is what he had worked for. This is what he had looked forward to. This was the purpose of the vine and the goal of the vine dresser. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Here's the point of today, if you don't catch anything else. Your destiny and your purpose is to be fruit bearers. You bear fruit. That's who you are. That's what you do. You bear fruit. You guys awake with me? What do you do? You bear fruit. Super participatory. That is awesome. That's what you do. This is verse 8 of this text. This is to my Father's glory, Jesus says. And a better, kind of easier, everyday translation might be this. This is how you show who God really is to the world. That you bear much fruit. This is how you show people. This is how you show people who God really is. That you bear much fruit. We're fruit bearers, friends. That's what we do. There's all kinds of other stuff that we think that we do, but in the end, we're fruit bearers. That's what shows ourselves, us to be his disciples. We're fruit bearers. Now, what's fruit? Fruit, there's lots of ways we could probably describe this, but fruit is the outcome. It's the, the, the outward manifestation, ready? Of Jesusness. You know, the, the scriptures talk about the fruit of the Spirit, right? The fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit in us, the Spirit in Jesus' Spirit is in us when we become a Christian. Jesus' Spirit comes and lives in us. And the scriptures say, now, now walk in the Spirit and exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. Exhibit what, what the Spirit brings out of you. See, it's the outward manifestation of Jesusness. It's the stuff that comes out that Jesus has brought and is bringing to the world. So anything that comes out that looks like Jesus and smells like Jesus and sounds like Jesus, that's Jesus' fruit coming out of you. That's fruit. What's the fruit of the Spirit? It's, it's character and attitudes. It's stuff like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those, that's a list out of Galatians 5. Those kinds of things. You know that stuff that you exhibit all day long, John. You know what I'm talking about? But it's also the stuff, the Jesusness that comes out that's very specific. It isn't just, just kindness. It's the kindness that Jesus gave you an opportunity to do in that moment because you are one of his fruit bearers. And he said, love this person. And you're like, I don't want to. And he's like, Here, here's the conviction to do it. And here's the power to do it. And you're like, I did it. And wow, that felt awesome. That was Jesusness. That was fruit. Somebody said to me afterward, after the first hour, so like I volunteer a lot. Do you think volunteering is a fruit? And, and, and is that fruit? And I said, well, that's a great point. It depends. Did Jesus tell you to volunteer? Because if Jesus told you to volunteer, it is much fruit. If Jesus didn't tell you to volunteer and you're bitter and nasty and he would rather have you somewhere else that day, no fruit. Not Jesusness. You with me? This is what fruit is. We are fruit bearers. And this passage is about bearing fruit. And there's three teachings kind of centered on three different characters in this thing. And in our 14 minutes left, this is what we want to do. We want to look at these. First, Jesus, and this is about Jesus, is the real source of our spiritual life. Jesus is the real source of spiritual life. You look back at verse one again, it's the very beginning of the text. 
I am the true vine. This is Jesus' teaching. I'm the true vine. I am the real source of spiritual life. I'm it. This is what Jesus is teaching. I'm it. Israel had been called, the nation of Israel, had been called by prophets in the Old Testament as a a vine planted by God to bear fruit. It's not a brand new concept with Jesus. In fact, Jesus may have been walking down a path, the road outside of, of where the temple was with his disciples when he was teaching this Uh, stuff in John 14, 15, 16. He could have been, for all we know, walking down that road. And what he would have seen at this point is he could have stopped and pointed at the front of the temple that he saw in a distance when he had come up on a rise. Because on the front of the temple at that time was a golden vine with a clump of grapes. It was significant that Israel had said, we have spiritual connectedness and privilege and connection with God. And so over their temple was the symbol of a vine and of a grapes to say there's spiritual life from God and we're God's people. And Jesus could have done this teaching right in that time. He could have said, and listen, I'm the true vine. I'm the fulfillment of that. Or he could have taken out a coin because just up until about that time, the coins had a vine vine and grapes on them symbolizing connection to God's life. And Jesus said, that's me. All of our hopes and all of our longings that we could be connected to God, that we would have God's life in us, that we would have an authentic, power-filled spiritual journey, that's me. Jesus is the true vine. And then it goes on to say, and we are his branches. He's the vine, we're the branches. He's the vine where life flows through him, and we're the branches that come out of the vine, right? We're the branches that, that from the vine and the sap and the life and the life blood, so to speak, the spiritualness of God, like this is, Jesus is the true spiritual source. Out of the vine comes branches, and that's us. We're branches for him, and from those branches, we bear fruit. What do we do? We what? Bear fruit. We're fruit bearers. We're his branches. He's the vine. He's the source. He's spiritual life. And from him, we pop out and bear what? Fruit. Jesus is the real source of spiritual life so that we can be his branches and we will bear much fruit. We then bring that fruit out to the world. Isn't that a beautiful picture? He's the source of life. We get connected. We start growing in him, and out of us comes fruit for the world. It's interesting that Israel's identity as being part of the vine, part of it was because for them, the fruit of the vine is wine, and wine was a symbol of spiritual joy. We become a symbol of, as fruit bearers, of spiritual joy from God himself. That's what we get to bring to the world. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus is the true source, the real source of spiritual life. Now, before I go on, I just got to ask you. 
if he's the true source, have you surrendered your life to him? If you have been looking for spiritual life, he's the answer. And God set it up that way so that you could find him and find a relationship with God through Jesus. And so if you've been coming, you've been searching, you've been listening, and you've been thinking, you've been checking all this stuff out, Jesus teaches, I'm the true vine. And you could be my branches. Connect to me, you'll connect to true spiritual life. And all that takes, friends, is saying, I, Jesus, that sounds like you are the way. I'm going to preach on that next week. And so I'd like to surrender my life to you and receive your gift of love and forgiveness and relationship. Now take my life. I give it to you. That's becoming a Christian. Jesus is the true source. By the way, if some of you right now, somebody in this room was like, I think I'm finally there. What you just said, yeah, that. Then you just became a Christian. And that's the beginning of this connection, this spiritual connection to God. So let us know if that's the case. We want to help you continue to, to grow in your relationship with Jesus. But that becoming a Christian thing is that moment in time where you get to that place and say, you're the source of life. I want that life. I give you my life. Jesus is the, the real source of spiritual life. And we're his branches so that we would what? Bear fruit. But he's the source. Second, the Father. The end of verse 1. So he says, the father is the gardener. And then verse 2, and this gardener, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes or he trims clean so that it will be even more fruitful. The father prunes. Jesus is the source of spiritual life. The father prunes. He prunes, friends, so that, here's a surprise, we will what? Bear fruit. He prunes so that we will bear much fruit because we're fruit bearers. Are you remembering that this morning? We're fruit bearers. It's what we do. He's the source of life so we can bear fruit. And the Father's going to prune us so that we would what? Thank you, Todd. Led in the whole church. Love that. That we would bear fruit. That's right. The text says he cuts off fruitless parts and he trims fruitful parts. There are fruitless parts in us that we should be terrified and God's going to come and cut that stuff off. There's also some judgment implied in here. It could be that he's saying, listen, if you're not a real believer and you've got a bunch of dead wood in your life, you're not connected to the vine. There's no spiritual life. And that's, he said, as, as far as wanting to be a spiritual person, wanting to serve God, that there's, no, there's no life in that. Jesus is the source of real life. But there's also this angle in it where he says, so, and listen, if there's parts of you that is bearing no fruit, God's going to come and cut it off. And he's going to take the stuff that parts that are bearing fruit and he's going to trim it so that you'll be even more fruitful. Because he wants us, friends, to do what? To bear fruit. That's the point. And so God's going to come and he's going to cut off the stuff that's fruitless and he's going to trim the stuff that is. And I don't, I'm not a gardener. I don't, I don't know this. Some of you are like, oh, I know how that works with my tomatoes. No clue. I got no idea. Farmer's market, that's as close to the earth as I get. But I understand the concept biblically. In fact, I got it. I loved it from that, that reading that I had there. The precious sap and life-giving power that's going to go to parts of that vine that are not producing fruit, we're fruit bearers. God's going to go, let's get rid of that. That stuff in your life, no fruit coming from it. No Jesusness coming out of that. Let's get rid of it. And the stuff 
that you're starting to bear fruit in, let's trim it away. So it's not just all leaves. Oh, that looks good. Wow. But you're looking under the leaves, no fruit. Let's trim those leaves off even where there's life so that the fruit can be exposed to the sun. The fruit, the, all of the energy, the life can come to that and grow it. God is going to prune us so that we can bear fruit. Somebody out in the hallway between gatherings after first service said, I was leafy for nine years. I looked so good in church, but there was no life. And I've had this over the last couple years, a change where God has trimmed off through some very difficult times, has trimmed off the stuff so that I could actually produce fruit. He prunes clean. Interesting, a couple points I want to make about this before I move on. It's interesting that in verse 3, then he says, you're already clean because of the word that you've heard from me. It's a little awkward in the English. It's probably better to say, you're already being pruned because you've received Jesus. You've become a Christian. You've already listened to my word and accepted it. You're already being pruned. It's so great. The pruning part of it, if you've said yes to Jesus, his Holy Spirit has come in you, you're already being pruned. He's already within you going, hey, knucklehead, knock this off. Hey, do this. Hey, feel this. Holy Spirit in us is starting to do stuff like that. We're already on our way since we've received Jesus. The Spirit is always already doing his work. That's one thing. And I'm going to touch base on that just before I end as well. But So you're already clean, he says, one point I want to make. You're already being pruned. It's awesome. So keep going. But the second thing about pruning is that God will apparently use hard circumstances in our life to prune us. There's a passage in Hebrews chapter 12. You can go look at it later. Where the writer of Hebrews is talking about God disciplining the children that he loves. A lot of us have negative connotations where the word discipline, but it's a very positive context. And the context is about, listen, we know good parents discipline our kids. Discipline their kids. You discipline your kids, don't you, some of you? Some of you. Dear God, discipline your children, don't you, some of you? And we respect parents for doing that. How much more will our father discipline true his true children? If he didn't discipline us, if he didn't teach us through hard things, then if we wouldn't be his real children, it goes on to say. But then at the end of that passage, it says these words, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. It produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. God takes hard circumstances in our lives and teaches us, trains us through it, prunes us in it, even though it's painful at the time and it feels like snip and ow, and that looks dead, and I do know that. When, when we, Linda prunes our roses, like I'm like, you killed it, look at it. She's all, oh, you just wait, right? It will produce a harvest of righteousness for those who are trained by it. God does that. And I know here's the question. Here's the elephant in the room. So is God sending that junk in my life so that I would bear more fruit? And the answer is, I don't know. <laughs> the answer is for sure, no. The enemy of your soul is after you, tearing you up. And this world, they're not giving you anything. They're going to tear you up. And junk happens in our world. But God will take 
those circumstances and train you through it. Snip, snip, snip. Because we're fruit bearers, right? And the answer is no, 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 no. God doesn't just bring... And the answer is also, yeah. And so some of the hard stuff you're going through is your loving Heavenly Father going, you know what, I know you don't think you can make it another month on this salary or with this job, or I know you don't, you know, but I'm going to allow you to be in it a little bit longer because later, though painful now, you're my true child. You will produce a harvest of righteousness and peace when you've been trained. And so I just... The Father prunes. Why? So that we will bear much fruit. And maybe we just need a reminder really quick, you guys, to reframe some of the stuff that's going on in our lives. Where we've grown bitter and disillusioned, depressive, about those trials, those challenges, even blaming God for them, and it's harming our faith. It's harming our understanding of our Heavenly Father. But God either will use it or is even causing it so that you can be even more fruitful. I wish that it was easier than that for every one of us all the time. It's not. Why? Because we're fruit bearers. And the stakes are so high, like a loving father disciplining a child, that in order for us to be Jesusness to the world that needs it, the stakes are so high that he will allow us, while it's painful in the time, to be trained by his pruning. Is there something in your life where you're being pruned and you need to even this morning just go, okay, by faith, God, I offer thanks for how you're meeting me in it, training me in it, pruning me in it. Let me bring fruit out of it. I'll stake my entire life on the fact that God will not let you down in the end. Maybe we need a reframing. The Father prunes us. Why? So we will bear much fruit. Last, we're in this text. We're in this text. We remain connected to the vine. We remain connected to the vine. Why? In order that we might bear fruit. In order that we might do what? We have to remain connected. Jesus is the true source. God's going to prune us. We, our job is we remain connected to the vine. We stay connected to the vine. That's probably what you got out of this passage at first reading, is all this remain in me as I remain in you. If you remain in me as I remain in you, you're going to bear much fruit, right? There's all this remaining. There's a lot of remaining going on. The word remaining means live there, dwell there, make your abode connected to Jesus. Stay connected to Jesus. We go, okay, but I got work and I got hobbies and I got problems and I got kids and I got soccer and I got... Uh. Stay connected to Jesus. Live there, it says. I'm studying this, writing my notes. It made me think of, of, the, um, of the, the Hitch movie and the scene where Hitch, Will, Will Smith, is teaching that other guy to dance. You remember this yeah. scene? He's trying to teach this guy how to be cool, and this guy is totally nerd, and this guy's like, you got to teach me how to dance. I got, like, I got these moves. Woo! And Hitch is like, no, no, no. He watches him for a while, and then he slaps him in the face, and he's like, you don't ever do that again. And this is what he says. This is where you live. Do this with me. The guy's like, oh, no, I want to do this. And, oh, and he goes, no, no. Do. This is where you live. 
right here. You don't leave right here. You do anything more than this right here, it's bad. <laughs> this is where you live. And I'm sacrificing my dignity for you right now. <laughs> yeah, but I want to do that. I want to show it. This is where you live, right here. You stay connected to him, right there. But I'm... Blah, blah, blah. We remain in him and he remains in us. It says we will bear much fruit. We live there. We abide there. How do we abide there? Two ways. One, we live by a conscious dependence on the Holy Spirit. This is where you live. Consciously dependent on the Holy Spirit every minute of your day, all day, every day, seven days a week. Three, that's where you live. Yeah, but then I go in and I got to, and I'm traveling when I travel. That's where you live. Consciously dependent on the Holy Spirit every day. I mean, in, in, in the big stuff, like, oh, do I take this job, God? Yeah, but that doesn't come along that often. And in the little stuff, like, how am I going to be your person today with those people at work, with that stuff that's going on in my kids' lives, with those people in my small group? How do I live Holy Spirit? Bring Jesusness out of me. Let me lead me, guide me, empower me. All of it, details, all the way down to the details. Yesterday on my bike ride, Lord Jesus, where would you like me to ride my bike? Does that sound silly to you? Because I, you know what, you know what, I, I can be cynical at times in my journey, and I can be like, He doesn't care. It's a bike ride. He does care. And I mean, we get to the place where that becomes instructive for us to where we say, you know, it's not just the big pieces. It's not just like, boy, how, you know, my, how much am I going to tithe? Am I going to go with the whole 10%? Like your word says, like, uh, I don't know, eight and a half. Like, what am I going to do? Like, am I going to tithe? They're like, no, you know what? You asked that question, but that's not the only place the Holy Spirit wants to talk to you. The Holy Spirit wants to talk to you about whether or not you should go to that dinner and whether or not you should have that second drink, both from the alcohol and the money part. I mean, it's just the details, Right? Where do you want me to ride my bike? Do you have something for me today, God? Do you have something for me today in this as I seek to be a light and, a, and, and bear fruit in this world? Do, do, is, there, is there somebody you want me to meet? Is there somebody you want me to bless? Is there somebody that's going to be giving to me and strengthen me and give me something that I need? Like, I'm going to be your man. We remain connected by a daily conscious dependence on the Holy Spirit. That's how we remain there. That's where we live. And part of what Jesus said as well is, and if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you will bear much fruit. So conscious dependent on the Holy Spirit, and two, we remain in God's word. And then it goes on to say, by the way, if my words remain in you, you ask whatever you wish, it's going to be given to you. Your prayer life goes off the chart. You know why that is? Because if you remain consciously connected to the Holy Spirit, and you remain in God's word, you start thinking God's thoughts. You start feeling God's stuff. You start being, Jesusness is flowing in you and out of you and through you, and your prayers start to sound like the stuff that Jesus would pray because his Holy Spirit is praying within you, and stuff then starts to happen. You're praying exactly according to God's will then. It's not the crazy prayers out of a panicky, self-centered person. It's the Holy Spirit-guided, thinking God thoughts kind of prayers where God's like, oh yeah, I was thinking the same thing. That's going to happen. We remain in him, and he remains in us, so that we would bear much fruit. How constant, how dependent is your connection with the Holy Spirit? 
I'm going to venture a guess that that might be a really big growing edge for almost everybody in this room. That every day, I know I'm a fruit bearer and I live remaining in him, connected to him through his Holy Spirit, through his word. This is where I live. Every day. I'm gonna ask the band to come up and we're gonna respond to him before we're done this morning. Friends, your destiny, your purpose, all of us together is to be fruit bearers. Jesus is the true source. The Father prunes so that we will bear fruit and we remain connected to him so that we know and we are God's people, responsive, hearing him, led by him, and being Jesus-nissed all over them. Let's stand and respond to the Lord in worship before we go this morning.